The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. You know, Dr. Fleck, Mother's Day is coming up. The year is just going by, but you know what? It is. But did you know there is National Dog Moms Day the day before? I did not know that. Neither did I. So for all you dog moms out there, we salute you. You guys trudge to pet stores to buy heavy bags of dog food. You clean up vomit, urine, and feces. You walk dogs around the clock, take dogs to the vet, and hope you'll hear no bad news. You break up dog fights in the dog park, attend training clashes, wash dog beds, leashes, beds, give dogs baths, and then clean up everything after, including yourselves, clean gunk out of dogs' eyes, you worry about every boo-boo, malady, and possible dog sickness. Sometimes even spend money that you don't have on unexpected dog expenses. And then the dog wakes you up in the middle of the night because he snores. But you always provide unconditional love, a safe home, and consistency. So happy National Dog Mom Day. And dads, we haven't forgotten about you. You're coming up in June. Really? Yes. There's a National Dog Dad's Day. So the price of being a pet partner mom. A partner mom. Okay. So let's get the party started with the weekly countdown. Well, in segment number four, author and cat behaviorist Beth Edelman and author and dog trainer Babette Haggerty are joining us to discuss how the Bidens are adding a cat to their family in light of the German Shepherd's majors biting personality. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Three, in sec three, veterinarian Dr. Stephen Friedenberg of the College of Veterinary Medicine, University of Minnesota, will speak to us about Addison's disease. And in two, we love celebrity pup buzz just as much as you do too. And this week we're following up on the Lady Gaga dog napping. Interesting. And in segment one, how about that derby? What a surprise. Yes, it was. If only they could have seen your face when my horse won. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually frightening. Author and journalist Steve Haskin joins us to discuss the outcome of the race. Yep, never trust a veterinarian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Steve, let's start out by you giving your analysis of the 147th Kentucky Derby. Tell me what you saw in that race. Well, it's simple. Bob Baffert. That's your, <laughs> that's your analysis. So what do you mean? His, Our his, listening his, horses, his horses always show up on the biggest day. Because he trains old school. He works his horses long and fast, and they're always dead fit and sharp. While most of his opponents are undertrained and aren't ready to go a mile and a quarter in a 19 or 20 horse field. And I have to add, he's also incredibly lucky. Yeah, luck Medina helps. Spirit's strength is his guts. He doesn't want horses passing him, but he hasn't proven to be as effective catching horses himself. Hmm. So his only real shot was to get the lead and just try to hold them off. So what happens? 
He the got the lead. The horse in the race is scratched with a slight bug. Mm-hmm. He draws post eight, and it's still the inside speed, which makes it easier to get the lead. Two horses who could have threatened him for the lead both had problems at the break and were never in the race. And remind us who they were. And the, Yes, there was Rock Your World and Midnight Bourbon. And the first horse that scratched the speed horse was Caddo River. And the horse closest to him early on who had speed, Soup and Sandwich, wound up suffering a breathing problem and eventually was eased, which left Medina alone on the lead. And as usual, he wouldn't let anyone get by him in a stretch. So everything worked out perfectly for him and Baffert. But Baffert always seems to make his own luck. Always does. At number seven, that's the seventh time he has won the Kentucky Derby. Okay, you had a question, Well, Dr. it's amazing. Flatt. One of my staff members who knows nothing about horse racing texted me and said, I told you so. She had picked that, too, because of Bob Baffert. So what is the backstory of Medina Spirit? Well, it's a long one, which you can read in its entirety on Secretariat.com. Give us the 15-second version. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> settle down. I'm heading there. I'm just, I just got to go. I'm get my little plug in. I'm heading there. But to condense it, his breeder is going through a divorce, so she has to sell him. Nobody wants him because of his pedigree. Nobody heard of his sire or his broodmare sire. And Christy Whitman, a small-time pinhooker, you know, who buys horses and tries to make a profit by reselling them, she likes the horse. She sees him in the back ring, and she goes in, and she bids the minimum $1,000. You can't bid any cheaper than that. That's the opening minimum bid. So she bids $1,000 at one of the cheaper sales in Florida in January, and then and that, that's it. There wasn't another bid. She wound up uh, buying him for her exercise rider, who asked her, he said, listen, if you're at the sale, can you buy me a cheap horse and so I can, you know, pinhook it? And you could ride him around and pinhook him. So they eventually put him in another of the cheaper sales because they couldn't get him into any of the bigger sales. And he sells for $35,000 to Zaydan Racing Stable, as a you know, new outfit, who sends him to Bob Baffert. End of story. End of story. So a thousand dollars. See, story. I told you, Doctor Fleck. Doctor Fleck thought he was sold for more money. Yeah, I thought. I thought. I thought Bob Baffert. Well, he, would- well, he was a thousand. Then he sold for thirty-five thousand. So they made a nice profit. And listen, if, if, if he had kept the horse, he wouldn't have gone to Baffert. Number one, he would have been. Who knows what would have happened to him. But she can always sell, say now that she bought and sold a Kentucky Derby winner. She did. And then Gail Rice can always say she bred a Kentucky Derby she, winner. She, okay, so prior to the race, I heard commentary that winning jockey, Johnny Velasquez, and to roll on everyone, he won on Oaks Day with, what is that, Malatat? Is that what the horse's name was? Yeah, Malatat. And, of course, now he won with Medina Spirit. Well, you know, in the commentary, I heard him say that, or he, it was repeated that he said, he told Bob Baffert that Bob underestimated Medina Spirit. Do you think that's the case? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> Bob's two derby horses were Life is Good and Concert Tour, and neither made the derby, and Medina was all he, all he had left. He just wanted Velasquez to send him to the lead, not to take hold of him, and just see how far he could last. I mean, that was it. You know, that was that was trainer Bob Baffert's seventh win of the Kentucky Derby and his second continuous win. So 
How is this win different from all of his previous wins? Well, as I said, he really wasn't expecting this one. And unlike his other winners, he never won with a $1,000 horse before. But other other than that, there was no difference. His last his last four derby wins were by horses on the lead. And now he says, what he told me was that he won with another ham sandwich, this one with mustard. So <laughs> I like that. I definitely like that. Well, you know, the Preakness is coming up. It's a longer race. It's in about 10 days. Do you think Medina Spirit can take the Preakness? I mean, can he maintain the lead? Well, listen, he, he maintained the lead for a mile and a quarter, so he can certainly do it at the, at the shorter distance. If he's left alone, he can, but he's not going to be left alone this time. This is not going to be easy for, for Medina. It's going to be a very tough race. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining us today. People, you're going to be excited with this one. Steve's telling us, who knows who it could be. Yeah, it's totally. I mean, it's always enjoyable having Steve on the show. Oh, yeah. He's a great interview. Anyway, and I like I said, we love horse racing author and journalist Steve Haskin. To remind you, you can learn more about Steve and read his racing commentary at secretariat.com. Well, up next, Celebrity yeah. Pet Buzz and Fless Facts. Later in the show, University of Minnesota College of Veterinary Medicine's Dr. Steve Friedenberg will join us to talk about Addison's disease. If you recall last week, Remember, Dr. Fleck, we talked about Cushing's disease with veterinarian Dr. Sarah Guess. Um, Addison's is almost the opposite of Cushing's. So buzz around us for a little bit longer because we're always bringing you the best in pet talk radio. So stay tuned. For the full-length, unedited video versions of all of our interviews, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're listening to The Pet Buzz. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. I love two things, sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddies can be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Ever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Teva Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Teva Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TevaPet.com. Teva Pet. 
helping you and your pet live your best life. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. The show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Hey, so let's start out Celebrity Pet Buzz by talking about Gaga. You know, according to prosecutors, Lady Gaga dog nappers prowled Hollywood neighborhoods looking for expensive pets to steal and waited for her dog walker to turn down a secluded street before attacking. You know, five people are charged in the case, three men and two alleged accomplices and all have pleaded not guilty. The Gaga connection we found out was a coincidence, authorities said. The gang of thieves included the three thieves, one of the thieves' fathers and a woman. She's the girlfriend of the father. Now, she was the gal who returned the dogs. Initially, police said the woman appeared to be uninvolved and unassociated with the crime. Now she's charged with receiving stolen property valued above $950, in addition to account of being an accessory after the fact. Lady Gaga and Fisher, the dog walker, have not addressed the arrest publicly. Fisher is still recovering from a gunshot wound and has called the violence a very close call with death in his social media post. In light of these developments, I suggest that you walk your dogs, especially if you have a fancy breed or a trendy breed. And if you're walking at night with a whistle, a phone and an other instrument for protection, I actually I walk with a bat really to protect myself and my dogs from loose dogs in the neighborhood. My advice to you is to be careful, stay safe, think smart, especially if you have a highly valued dog. And yes, I mean, monetarily, because your dog is priceless. Okay. Today on Flex Facts, Dr. Fleck is going to review warning signs when you should take Fido or Felix to the veterinarian. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's going to take long. You got the time. So, Dr. Fleck, I'm going to ask you, should you be worried if your animal skips a meal or two? No. Probably not if it skips a meal or two. But let's take a step back. We need to talk about cats versus the canine or the dog. Okay. Um, Because cats really hide diseases a lot more than what dogs do. Generally speaking, they're more social with us and their behavior is more recognizable. Mm-hmm. But cats can hide their illness. So as the beginning of this, I would just say that if you start noticing problems with your cat, instantly that's when you should go to the vet. Okay. With the dog, you can possibly wait depending upon what the behavior and conditions are. You know, I think it's interesting because occasionally our dogs will miss a meal if it's really hot. Morrow's a picky eater, sometimes our nine pound dog, you know, he might not eat. Now, if our nine pound dog misses a meal, then I get a little worried because he likes to eat. But, you know, on hot days, but I think if you miss more than two meals, it's maybe a good indication. Certainly. And especially when people try to give treats along with that, that they know they love and they don't take the treats, that might be a good you know, warning sign. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, so we have a lot of overweight dogs these days, and I think uh, that could lead to like diabetes and a bunch of other things. So what if we see a dog that's got uh, excessive thirst? If it's got excessive thirst, you, you just mentioned one of the big diseases that, uh-huh. that we talk about with excessive thirst and urination, and that would be diabetes. 
But, you know, that could also be another kidney problem, too. Right. And kidney disease is something that is progressive and happens with our pets. And always remember, our pets are living longer, just like we're living longer. So what kind of diseases do we express? Kidney diseases, pancreatic diseases, diabetes, et cetera, mm-hmm. as we mature. So those are all warning signs as they mature. And then probably a good response is if your pet acts a little bit uh, with behavior that's not normal as we're aging, that would certainly be an indication that. Okay. So you if you find yourself, the, you're mm-hmm. refilling the water bowl a lot of times, mm-hmm. probably an excessive amount of urination. Or if you're empty the kitty box. Litter box. And he needs to go outside more or he's having accidents in the house that he's never had before. Right. It's time to go to the vet. If you've just joined us, this segment of the Pet Buzz is called Flex Facts. And we're talking to veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck, my co-host and partner in life, about when it's time to take your pet to the vet. Okay. So. Let's talk about sudden weight loss, because I think that comes up a lot. So most pets these days, as we said, are totally overweight. They're little fatties like a lot of us Americans. But what if our pets really start to lose weight? Should we be happy that he's getting slim and thin or should we kind of panic? Well, you know, as as we age, as people, sometimes we put on weight and sometimes we lose weight. So some of that may be a normal experience, but mm-hmm. if you start seeing excessive loss of weight, would you say ten percent yeah, of body I'd say weight? Ten percent okay. that I start becoming a little bit concerned. Um, but there's so many variables that could cause that. Mm-hmm. So that's why veterinarians are encouraging, for example, wellness blood tests every year. Okay, after the pet is eight, nine, yeah. 10 years old, and especially if you have a smaller dog. You know, like we said, we just mentioned Wally's nine pounds. If he lost. of his body weight, that would definitely show on him. And make sure that if you're doing the wellness test that you're getting things like thyroid testing because that changes with time. And does that change with weight as well? And that'll change with weight as well. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about if, uh, lastly, if you have a sluggish and all of a sudden really tired pet, he's lethargic. He's like, again, we could go back to a whole variety of different types of problems that exist and it might even be normal, just as they're aging and they want to slow down some. Could because of the weather. It's getting warmer. And it's getting warmer. If we lived in the north, mm-hmm. if it was getting colder, they sometimes want to sleep more too. Right. So, yes, the weather has has a, a factor on it. But I think the aging is the biggest normal experience that one might have. Yeah, and also, not- right, I would think if also, like, if it's getting hot, you know, I know because I have an arthritic knee. If it's getting hot. You know, sometimes they might not be as active as they used to be. Maybe they have a pulled muscle or they don't want to go out for walks. That's, I think, would be a sign. If you have a a normally active dog who, after a few days, doesn't want to go outside. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want to go outside and and you notice some patterns just changing behavior-wise, it's not bad to go ahead and, and visit with your veterinarian and have that conversation and see if there is something that may be moving in a bad direction. Well, you know, these are great tips and really something to think about. But Dr. Fleck, I know that you have some more and we really need to wrap this segment up, but... I would say one other thing. Okay. Always err on the safe side. I like that. That's good. Always err on the safe side. So so forearmed is forewarned. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to put some of your other um, tips 
about taking your pet to the vet on our social media channels at the Pet Buzz. I think that's going to be great. We're just going to take a commercial break and be back talking about a new strain of disease that affects people and pets. When importing a dog into this country, you need to recognize that you could be bringing more than the dog. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back. This is a really important segment to carefully listen to. For the full-length, unedited video versions of all of our interviews, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're listening to The Pet Buzz. Hey, did you know 2.4 million loving cats and dogs in shelters and rescues need our help to find a home? Let's go to the shelterpetproject.org and meet a few are in a shelter near you. Harlow. Oh, she's one great listener who loves to hear all your stories. My kind of cat. Cerulo. Is a sweet, goofy boy who's eager to please. Sounds just like another dog I know. So go to the shelterpetproject.org, search your local shelters and rescues, and go for a cuddle with your next best friend. Adopt. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. You know, you're listening to the best in pet talk radio. This is the pet buzz. That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. Well, warm weather means lots of ice cream, especially for me. And that's lots of ice cream eating. So when you're sitting on the couch, watching your fave TV show and eating a bowl of ice cream, don't be tempted to treat your dog. So consider giving him or her a frozen delight of their own. I just came across the bear and the rat frozen goat's milk yogurt. Goat's milk is more digestible than cow's milk and lacks the complex proteins that are often associated with allergies. Having fat molecules one fifth the size of those in cow's milk, making goat's milk a lot easier to digest and even tolerate for dogs. So every cup of frozen goat milk yogurt is filled with the finest ingredients like grass-fed goat milk, turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and one fill serving of OptiGuest, a daily digestive supplement for dogs and cats. I had to look that up, by the way. Available in two tail-wagging flavors, goat milk and goat milk with coconut, so the single serving frozen goat milk yogurt is easy, convenient and ready to eat. It requires no thawing or measuring. Keep it in the freezer until ready to serve. 
You know, Addison's disease has been referred to as the great pretender due to its ability to mimic other common diseases and therefore representing a diagnostic challenge. So joining us to discuss just this is Dr. Stephen Friedenberg, who is an assistant professor of small animal emergency and critical care medicine and genetics at the College of Veterinary Medicine at University of Minnesota. Dr. Steve's primary interests include autoimmune disorders such as Addison's disease and autoimmune hemolytic anemia. His research focuses on understanding the genetics and immunology of the disease. So Dr. Friedenberg, thanks for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Absolutely happy to be here. I think I'll start out by asking the first question. Okay. Anyway, Dr. Steve, can you start out by telling us what is Addison's disease and what animals can suffer from the illness? Sure, absolutely. So Addison's disease is an autoimmune disease. So it's a, it's a disease in which the body attacks its own organs as an autoimmune disease. But in Addison's disease, specifically, these glands called the adrenal glands are affected. And the adrenal gland is actually a complex organ, but the outer layer of the adrenal gland, we call it the adrenal cortex, is destroyed by the own the body in, in Addison's disease. And this is a really important organ in the body because it creates these hormones which are vital to life. So if you don't have these hormones, you suffer from Addison's disease. Well, since Addison's has to do with the adrenal gland, can you tell us what, what they do? Yeah, absolutely. So the adrenal glands are these little organs. They're kind of triangular shape. And if you're a person, they live just on top of your kidneys, which is in the back of your body. And if you're a dog, you rotate that 90 degrees and they live just in front of your kidneys. Um, and so, as, as I mentioned earlier, the adrenal glands are a complex organ. They have an inner part called the medulla and an outer part called the cortex. And this outer part is what's destroyed in Addison's disease. Um, and this outer part makes these hormones that do things like regulate our response to stress, regulate our water and electrolyte balance. Um, and without those, we can suffer a lot of pretty nasty consequences that we see in dogs with Addison's disease. You know, in practice, uh, Cushing's disease is diagnosed a lot. So what causes Addison's disease and how is it different from Cushing's? Yeah, so I almost think of Addison's and Cushing's as being like opposite diseases. So in Addison's disease, um, the body attacks its own adrenal cortex and the cortex literally gets destroyed. In Cushing's disease, there's two different types of Cushing's disease. So Cushing's disease um, there's either a tumor in a part of the brain or there's a tumor on one of the adrenal glands itself. And either the tumor or the response to the tumor sort of tells the adrenal gland to be overactive. So it's kind of just the opposite of Addison's disease. In Addison's, it's destroyed. In Cushing's disease, it's overactive. Okay, well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Steve Friedenberg from the College of Veterinary Medicine at University of Minnesota about Addison's disease. So I'm curious, what are the symptoms of the disease and explain what diseases it can mimic? Because from what I understand, it's kind of like the great pretender. Yeah, that, though you took the words right out of my mouth. So that's exactly what I was going to say. Addison's disease can have a pretty wide range of, of symptoms because it can mimic so many other different things that we see clinically. So typically there's really two different types of presentations that we recognize in patients with Addison's disease. First, dogs can present in what's called an adrenal crisis where they're really, really sick from the disease. They'll present with like significant vomiting and diarrhea. They'll be weak. They won't be able to get up and walk. 
when they present to us on the emergency room, they have really low heart rates and they're in what we would call a shock state. The other kind of way in which Addison's can present is in a little bit more of a routine presentation. And this is why it can mimic so many different things. So you can have a dog with just on and off vomiting, but it kind of resolves or on and off diarrhea and it resolves, or they're just a little bit finicky, like they wanna eat their meal one day, but then the next day they're just not eating as much of it. And so those are the kind of waxing and waning vague type of clinical signs um, that can fool us into thinking, you know, in not recognizing Addison's disease as, as something that could be going on. And when that happens, dogs can get so sick that they present in the adrenal crisis, which is what I had mentioned earlier. You so, know, isn't that crazy? Because I'm sitting there listening to like not eating one day, eating another day, and then like lethargic, not getting up. I mean, you're right. I mean, it sounds like so many different symptoms for so many different things. Yeah, unfortunately, we see that with so many different diseases. That's what I think makes it more difficult to focus in on that. So now I've, I've diagnosed it. How am I going to treat it? Yeah, so because in Addison's disease, it's really what we're missing are the hormones that those adrenal glands normally create. So the treatment for Addison's disease is replacement of those hormones. And so there's two types of hormones. One is called cortisol and one is called aldosterone. And when we treat patients with Addison's, we replace them with medications. One of them is called prednisone and one of them either goes by name of percortin or DOCP. And those that replaces the aldosterone that's that's lost in those patients. Is it expensive to treat? It can be expensive, you know, particularly that aldosterone or the aldosterone replacement, the percortin or the zycortol, those can be pretty expensive. And usually it's dosed by weight. So for example, if you have a Great Dane with Addison's disease, it's going to be a lot more expensive to treat than a Chihuahua. Um, and, and those injections are, are monthly injections. And a lot of people actually learn to do them at home because it can save on some of the cost if you can kind of give your dog the medication at home and if you can become comfortable with giving the injections. Well, especially if you have a Great Dane. And I think that's similar to Cushing's disease too, because the medication is done by weight as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So just curious, because we've mentioned humans, how similar is the disease in dogs to humans? It's a, that's a great question. So it's actually very, very similar. Interestingly, you know, dogs are really the only species besides humans that get Addison's disease naturally with any kind of regularity. You know, listening to uh, the doctor talk and thinking about your particular niece who has a Portuguese water dog and some of the other people we've known, like the mm -hmm. Kennedys and President, former President Barack Obama, you yeah. know, it, it makes us really want to enlighten people and tell them that when they're purchasing a dog, they should really look and ask their breeder questions about what diseases have appeared in the line, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, I, I there's, you know, a, a whole bunch of inherited diseases that can oftentimes be very specific to a dog breed. And it's important to talk to your breeder, to do your own online research, to see, you know, what kinds of diseases are going to be prevalent within a breed. And then also know that, you know, a mixed breed dog can really have almost anything, um, you know, because they, they could have certain genes from a, a bunch of different breeds. So I always love this because I gain so much more, even if my listeners don't gain as much. Thank you so much for your presentation today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here and chat with you guys. And that was Dr. Steve Friedenberg, who is an assistant professor of small animal emergency and critical care medicine and genetics at the College of Veterinary Medicine at University of Minnesota. And you know, Dr. Steve is our first 
veterinarian from the University of Minnesota. So that's, Pioneer so that's with a, us. So that's a great thing. So for more information about Dr. Steve Breitenberg and Addison's disease, visit vmc.umn.edu. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a buzzworthy moment. For the full-length, unedited video versions of all of our interviews, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're listening to The Pet Buzz. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws for the long, healthy life of your dog. Trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to say it all the time. We're urban. Suburban and, and country. And now, pet buzz news from around the globe. So, I'm going to kick off this segment with our global pet news. Uh, you know, I first came across this uh, first class fraud store and I thought it was really really interesting. See, it seems out the owner of a San Antonio dog training school was sentenced last week to almost 10 years in prison for defrauding more than $1.5 million from the federal government. The Department of Justice said in November, this 49-year-old Bradley Lane Croft, the owner of Universal Canine, was convicted of eight counts of wire fraud, four counts of aggregated identity theft, two counts of money laundering, and two counts of making a false tax return. He was sentenced to 118 months in prison in order to back pay $1,500,758 in restitution. His business, the Universal Canine website, said it was a nonprofit business that trains shelter dogs for law enforcement purposes and veteran support and provides dog handler training. Well, according to the website, the business became a VA approved school in 2013, allowing veterans to use funds from the GI Bill to pay for the training. Croft provided false information on applications to the Texas Veterans Commission, including names of instructor certifications and training documents in order to receive the GI Bill education payment benefits. According to the DOJ, Croft filed 185 fraudulent claims for 132 veterans so long as they could pay the $12,000 cost for the dog handling course. The DOJ said Croft filed fraudulent income tax returns and reported his income for two years in 2006 and 2007 as only $2,000, but evidence shows he made more money. Now, this was the kicker about the whole thing. Croft asked former President Donald Trump for a pardon last July, but never received it. You know, it's such a shame defrauding the government in the name of veterans who really need help and who need dogs, whether they need them for comfort and service purposes or they want to start a new profession. So it's really boils down to the lengths that some people will go through to make a buck 
really disgusting. Okay. Well, let's move on and bring on our next guest and talk about something really controversial right now that's happening in the White House. President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden provided an important White House pet update during an exclusive interview with talk show host Craig Melvin that aired last Friday on Today. The Bidens told Melvin that they were close to bringing a cat to the White House. While some dogs do fine living with cats, others simply cannot live safely with felines. Sometimes a dog can, well, only live with certain cats. Even if your dog has successfully lived with cats in the past, it's important to remember that each dog and each cat is an individual, and therefore each introduction is different. Joining us to talk about the Bidens adding a cat to their home with two dogs is author and feline behaviorist Beth Edelman and author and dog trainer Babette Haggerty. So, ladies, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Thanks so much for having us. Great to be here. It's always great to see both of my two old friends uh, not meeting that they're old. I've just known them for a long time. You know how that is. So anyway, Beth, I'm looking for a short answer here. And I know that we're discussing, you know, this topic, not based on facts that we're privy to, but really just news coverage. So short answer, should the Bidens add a cat to the White House so soon after that rescue dog major, but a Secret Service agent and a White House maintenance worker? Why not? Why not? Okay, not necessarily the answer I was looking for, but Bet, what do you think? No. No. Oh, no, just no. No. Okay, that's a definite no. Okay. So I'm just curious, ladies. Why? But Bet, why don't you start first? Because you had such an emphatic no. <laughs> they can't even manage the dogs they have now. And and I'm not blaming you know, President and First Lady Biden, whoever's in charge of the animals in the house is obviously not managing the situation properly. Otherwise, they would not keep having problems. Therefore, adding a cat to the chaos, they're not going to do any better. If they can't do it right with two dogs, they're not going to do it right with two dogs and a cat. Okay, Ben, what do you think? I think Babette makes great points. I'm not disagreeing with her. I think management is key. And I think that they do need to plan a little bit. I think it's not one of those situations where they bring the cat home and then they plan. They have to plan first. But I think with proper planning, it actually can be managed. And let's face it, the White House is a busy place. The dogs are on the lawn. The dogs are in the Oval Office. And they're also in the residence where there are Secret Service agents. There's numerous shifts. So that means the dogs have to get acquainted with numerous people on the Secret Service staff. So, Beth, this next question is for you. So, Beth, what's the first thing the Bidens should do? I mean, I know you mentioned the elevated cat trees before they bring this new new Felix into the house. Well, I just I more on those cat trees because I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see Biden addressing the nation from the Oval Office with a big old cat tree in the background. (laughs) I want to see that. I can I can visualize that, you know, it'll be right. It'll be by the window behind him when he's at the desk. Correct. And yes. And the cat's up there. I want to see that. So that's 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 super important. And I think also creating safe spaces for the cat. I think it's important for the cat to have a place to eat, a place to use the litter box, a place, you know, that's a, a dog free space. Mm-hmm. That's pretty easy to uh, create by just putting a gate in uh, the doorway of one room. Pretty easy to create a dog-free space. 
Babette, let's talk about the best way to introduce the cat and the two dogs. So what does Madam President and President Biden do? The best thing they can do is introduce the dog and the cat slowly. I would certainly see how the dog is around moving objects, strange objects, even kids on a skateboard before they actually even bring the cat in. I would definitely see if you can have a couple of meet and greets initially. Mm -hmm. I would work on some obedience skills and food makers' obedience skills big time. So quick question for you, Babette. Why should a pet owner pay attention to the body language of a dog in these introductions? They want to learn to see the trouble coming before the trouble arrives. Okay. How does that manifest? Usually beforehand, they're going to become more alert. They're going to become higher. You're going to see that they're going to become taller. They're going to kind of put their weight a little bit more evenly on all four quarters. Sometimes they'll raise their hackles. They're going to stare intently. Okay, so maybe Joe should be with the dogs and Jill Biden should be with the cats. What did the cat lady look out for, Beth? Well, there's two things you want to look out for. With cats, you want to look out for, again, as Babette said, signs of impending aggression. With cats, that's also staring. It might be the ears flat or sideways. You might see them puff up. You might see hissing. And hissing is not aggression. It's actually a sign of fear. The other thing to watch out for is that cats, sometimes when they're very frightened, will shut down. They'll go under something or they'll go up high, someplace where they feel safe. And they'll do that thing that I call a cat look. So they'll tuck their paws in, they'll tuck their tail in. They might put their head down a little bit and be very, very still. And if you're not familiar with that, you might think, oh, the cat's being very calm. But in fact, that's a shut down fear position. And certainly you don't want a cat to be in a situation where they feel like they need to be in a shut down fear mode. Okay, and that's called a cat lope. They say when you're in Washington, you know, a dog is a great friend in Washington, more or less. That's what the quote is. <laughs> On that note, everyone, that was author and feline behaviorist Beth Edelman and author and dog trainer Rebecca Haggerty joining us to learn more about Beth. Fabulous Beth, the feline behaviorist. Visit Edelman. That's A-D-E-L-M-A-N dot Wixit, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. And to learn more about Beth Haggerty, visit HaggertyDog.com. Just I love it for me. Back again. I have two gals on. I'm going to have to have them back. I like this combination. Hopefully, we have something they can both agree on this time. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we're talking about how cat play and feline diets affect hunting prowess. That's a new study that came out of University of Exeter in the UK. We're going to learn more about raccoons since my raccoon sighting in the middle of the day. And of course, Coming up, we're going to be talking about raptors. Okay, special thanks to our guest, Steve Haskin, Dr. Steve Friedenberg, Beth Edelman, and of course, the darling Babette Haggerty. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. So if you have a question, just write to us at teamatthepetbuzz.com and we'll cover your question on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the Link Podcast on Monday morning. And remember, most importantly, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love, everybody. And as Dr. Fleck always says, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.